0: My my goal was always to be good American, be good citizen. What can I do to make our country better?
3: Alright everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Team Never Quit Podcast. Thank you all for listening, watching, viewing, and subscribing. If you haven't yet, go check out our podcast studio on YouTube or our social medias. Let us know what you think in the comments below. So before we get to our guest today, let's kick it off with our Patreon question of the day, which is, what is your favorite trap in the movie
0: Home Alone? Ooh. Have both y'all seen Home Alone? Have you seen that? Yes. I've seen, but I, when I seen it, I didn't have my English command it was not really good, so I have understand what happened there.
2: Uh, it's a Christmas
0: movie. So if everyone hadn't seen it, we have to have a different question.
2: Okay, I think mine is um, when he's going down the stairs and he gets hit in the head with like a big yeah. iron thing, and the spider falls on his face.
3: They got put on his face. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
2: love the spider on his face. Like, his scream when the spider was put on his face is just awesome. Because that would terrify me. Have you well. seen it? Uh, yeah, actually, it's one of our kids' favorite movies, our son, our little guy. So they probably would be, like, screaming right now all kinds of options. Um I, mean, I like that. I hate spiders. Yeah.
3: Well, that scream was the best. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that sucker throws out his face. I mean, everyone knows where that comes from. Yeah. Like, it's one of those movie, special movie moments. When you hear that sucker light up, you're like, I know exactly where that came from.
2: What's your favorite? You've seen the movie a million times.
3: It's a Christmas classic. You know, I mean, I have that jingle that happens every time. I, I, I love when the guy put the iron one, when he pulls the string on and the iron comes down the chute. That, because that, that's a good
2: one. Oh, I mean, yeah. And it's logical. It's hot. Yeah, <laughs> spikes hot. him right there.
3: <laughs> yeah. well, that kid had some some skills for sure. And
2: didn't he, when he grabbed the doorknob? Uh, well, it was all
3: heated up. What? Throwing that whole party with not yeah. having an actual party in there was mm-hmm. a great one. That's, that's a defensive trap. And that was awesome. You I, I love that, that part. Th- that whole thing where he yeah, he's got a up.
1: whole community set up. A yeah, whole style. community.
2: Ten-year-old like thinks to actually create a party yeah. as, a, as this trap. Hunter, what's yours? Because I known you've seen it 10 billion times.
1: So we were kind of talking about this earlier. One, uh, one part that I really love is whenever he tars and feathers him. Uh, yes. That, that guy. Uh, just because, I don't know, I think that's so funny to watch. It could actually happen. But also one thing that really stuck out to me is branding his hand with the doorknob, with, the, with his McAllister M. Yeah. So now he's <laughs> always taking a part of McAllister with him wherever he goes. In his whole life, yeah. So I think that's that's a pretty
3: clever trick right there.
2: I love that, John. Do you have one?
3: Yeah, <clears throat> I think my favorite one. Remember the? I know we were talking earlier, and I, this one just came to me. The uh, little talkback thing that he had, the little talk
1: boy. Uh-huh. When he recorded his uncle singing on that, and then the second Home Alone,
3: and he was in the hotel, hotel and he played it back on the guy. and, no. Get
1: out of here, you pervert! <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's a good point. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Angels with Filthy Souls was the name of that sucker, right? Yeah, when he played that, that, yeah. that was good too.
2: That's funny. Yeah, Home Alone's a great Christmas classic.
3: Do you for remember sure. it? You got one?
0: Well, I, I, I remember the spider scene, but then, you know, my daughter, she listened so quietly that I did fall asleep. <laughs> but so i was like awakened by uh dad dad you are sleeping I was like no no i'm i'm concentrating <laughs> but, but uh so i w- w- was woke up on that scene out there so i remember the spider scene i think this one of my favorite one is yeah
1: great movie though awesome all right today we have on drago dron and his wife rachel he was born in born and raised in soviet occupied poland After being sent to prison for his activism against the communist regime, he immigrated to the United States in 1984, where he eventually got his citizenship. After the Persian War broke out, he enlisted in the Navy SEAL teams and completed over 100 combat missions as an NSW lead breacher. During his time in the teams, Drago even developed a new breaching method and was eventually awarded a Bronze Star Medal along with numerous other awards and decorations. And prior to his retirement, Drago also founded the Navy SEALs Fund to ensure that funds went to those in need when they needed
0: it. Welcome to the show, Drago. Thanks. Thank you. This honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus, for All inviting right. me. Well, and you're welcome.
2: Rachel yeah. as
3: well. And Mrs. Yes,
2: yes. All right. I well, can't believe
3: we're sitting here. So I always... When you were walking in here, I was thinking about the first time we ever met, like first time I ever laid eyes on you, and and hearing your story. So for those out there that don't know, he, he he is a SEAL. Like I did my first combat deployment with him. He's the real deal. There's a couple of guys out there, man. When you say their name, everybody in the community knows who he is. Matter of fact, I didn't even know your name till yesterday. Your <laughs> name, right? I, I mean, that's exaggeration. It's probably a few few months ago or maybe even years ago, but it's I good. didn't know. Like, we got guys in the teams, you'll do your whole careers. And we have nicknames and call signs, you don't even, I don't even know that. But the fact that we're here now doing this on this side of it, it's like we were talking earlier, is, uh, is something. So, man, thank y'all, for, thank y'all for being here.
0: Thank you. It's a so good to be here.
3: The way we do it, man, was I want to introduce everybody to you. We, we, I know you got a book coming out and all the charities and foundations and everything that y'all are involved with. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Like I said, I'm just introducing y'all to the team. Mm-hmm. So, the way we normally do it is just to back it up where you come from.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I was, as uh, uh, some people know, I was born in communist uh, Poland. Well, communist, this is like uh, people used people say communist country behind the iron curtain, communist. I just want to point out that none of these countries were ever communists, uh, including Soviet Union. They were all socialist states run by communists, like hardcore communists, like my father, who who, who, uh, was part of that evil system. So I, I grew up there and eventually I spent time in communist prison. We call it gulags, uh, but it, the gulag actually is the prison system in Soviet Union. But because of the advisors, because of the uh, uh, Soviet uh, uh, military that actually advise Pol- Poland Uh, how to run this prison system. We in Poland call it gulags. You know, they were not per se uh, uh, technically gulags. They were prisons for political prisoners. So where I spent. And uh, after prison time, uh, I felt my life was in danger. I went to U.S. Embassy. I asked for help. And within a month, I believe, I had a visa to the United States. I came to the United States. Five years later, I became U.S. citizen. And... uh, then uh, since the, when the war broke up, the first Persian uh, Gulf War, I felt this is my moral obligation to support my country the best I can. I am American. I'm not Polish American. I am not something American. There is not, no hyphen in front of this American. So I say I need to go do something. And I think they, I was not rich. I could not build the jobs for my fellow American citizens, but I could defend them. So I joined military and my idea was to join during the wartime and then come back to my regular life that was really good and I I got it made. I was having a really good life. So after war, I said, I'll come back and resume my life. And I never came back from military. I spent 20 years as a Navy SEAL and I retired in 2011. But it happens so much in between these things that that's like I could talk about it for days <laughs> so back to yeah back <laughs> enough to when
3: talk about being in a communist country, what that's like and, and with this or a socialist country with a communist ruling and then coming over here and immediately trying to become a, a citizen that that gap in between. What was that like? Well, well and real
2: quick, in Poland, were you in a city? Were you in a major city, or yes. were you in like a suburb? Type? I was in
0: major city. Although my family, uh, my grandparents were from villages, from different two different villages, and uh, so I cycled between the big, kind of little big city. That was not that big. But then on the vacation, I was going to my grandparents. Mm. Um, uh, my father was very, uh, very adamant. Though that if we go, we need to act like communists. We need to act like socialists, and that to be socialist means this, this, and this. What does that mean? Uh, well, for my father, it was first to obey the government, to make sure that we don't say anything wrong about the government, so I was always advice: if you don't know what to say about socialism or communists, don't say anything. And, uh, and if you do say it, always say it in a positive manner and uh, prize it. If you don't, he said, basically, I could even lose my job. So you need to, you are responsible for, uh, for, for being a good future communist. Were
2: so. his parents like that?
0: Oh, absolutely not. Actually, that, that's a funny thing. So whenever we go up there, I, was, I think I was like three or four years old. So my grandparent, my grandmother, his, his mother, was always teaching me how to pray. They were they, they were Catholics, they were Christians. So we get our knees in front of our bed, put our hands together. And I couldn't do like this. I, I, would, I would be slapped. I said, you have to handle hands like this. <laughs> and then she teach me pray, how to pray, what to pray for. And one of them was, in a, God, please help us get all these communists and red evil and devils out <laughs> of Poland. Please help us put them where they came from. And... I pray like this. I didn't know any better. So, but then I said, "Grandma, what, 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 what the communists are?" We say evil. do They have a, like horns, tail. They breathe fire. She's like, "Well, worse than that. They, they don't show it, but they kill people. They imprison people for their beliefs." So, Poland. She's, and I didn't understand. I was three years old. She said, "I still remember her words. Poland is not free." and we will not be free and we will get rid of these people until they go where they came from. My father was one time overheard. I remember the whole hell broke loose. How dare you teach my son this uh, this blasphemy of uh, socialism and communism. They uh, they yelled at each other and my grandma cried, said like, "I'm, I'm really ashamed of you. I mean, that's what you became. You sold yourself to devil, to evil. I should, I should, I should know better. I should grow uh, you a better son, but look what be, be became of you. So my father was very, uh, very adamant. But so we are not allowed now. Then I was not allowed to um, to pray with my grandmother alone. So so we, from from then on we had to pray, like you know, to give, give health to my family to everybody, but then quietly. Let's communists go
3: away. <laughs> so explain what, when we talk about communists, what does that look like? Is that one
0: man at the top of it, and then no. a couple buddies underneath him, and then it showers down? It, it, it is. A, it appears like this because the unlimited power they have, eventually they grant themselves, and uh, it, it usually it is party when when the, at some point then, there were multiple parties in Poland, but they were all sidetracked through fraudulent elections, through uh, uh, through false. Uh, adv- uh, fake news media in Poland that were consol that were also mostly uh, consolidated under the, the 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 Polish Communist Party, as PZPR, I think they call themselves. Uh, in Polish, it was Polska Zjednoczona Partia Robotnicza. I don't know how to translate it. <laughs> no, you said it perfectly.
3: I know I'm, i got all of that actually.
0: So they were ruling the country, and uh, the thing was that, uh, w- w- that, the sin- that what people need to understand that even the one man is fronting it. He's very dependent on the on its base, and they can remove him any time, or the, either by uh, just make him resign, but most likely just make him die, and uh, and then the next one step in. And it happened in Poland, in any socialist state, that such crisis was coming every four or five years. And uh, when the crisis came in, and I, I can talk about it a little bit later how it came in and what happened, but they usually remove that individual or make him die. And the next crew that came in were always saying, that was, that was so so common. They're like, the first thing they say is, they perverted socialism, but yeah. we
3: know how to fix it. So every time someone dies or gets old or retires, you will have to go through the same cycle over and over again.
0: Well, they die or go through that cycle because people revolt. And revolt, they, they, right. they, they, now they need to save the face, they need to save the system. So what they do, they, the first thing that they, they, they say is, well, that crew, this... Prime Minister, or whatever, this, uh, the first secretary of the Communist Party made uh, uh, gr- gross errors in implementing socialism. So he's going to be removed, but we know how to fix it. We know how socialism should work. So we will implement the socialism the right way. And they that cycle repeat itself every uh, four, six years whenever the crisis arises. And the crisis arises because people wanted bread they wanted freedom they were suppressed they were beaten up sometimes for disagreeing with the government and uh, we'll talk a little bit more later about the mechanisms how they terrorize society but uh, this is that when the uh, when the crisis arise because people had enough of it they wanted food this is when they they just there was a typical socialist trick you say well we're gonna Change you now, we, if you're inconvenient, we can kill you, we will, so you don't cause any problems. But otherwise, we're going to remove you, and the next crew come in, and we will fix what they messed up. So they were bad. Uh, they were good until they, the, the revolt started. So they removed them, Say they were bad, we're going to fix it. So people, for the first couple of times, say, okay, maybe let's, let's see what happened. And the, the cycle repeated itself every four or five years, where people were finally had enough, being uh, hungry, starving. They raised up, and the same, the next crew come in and say they were bad. We're gonna fix the socialism. We show you how to implement the real socialism, and uh, and they basically recycle himself, removing the the guys who already were unpopular in police society, either by killing them or by quietly removing them in the retirement. Somewhere. So,
2: pre World War Two, was it ever a, like a free capitalist country? It
0: was free capitalist country, uh, and. Uh, Poland was actually, you know, in pre-war uh, uh, Poland had one of the strongest navy on in, in the Baltic Sea. They had five submarines. One or two of them were the newest, the, 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 one of the best submarines in the world. And the Poles were very adamant about rebuilding Poland, about making it as strong as possible. Of course, Poland didn't have the resources uh, like the neighboring countries had the Soviet Union and Germany, and also Poland was torn up. Poland was uh, 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 Poland didn't exist b- before the First World War because it was taken apart by the neighboring countries. So when Poland was reborn, the first thing they had to do, they had to fight the uh, Soviet Union, the Bolshevik Russia. The Bolsheviks came almost up to Warsaw when they were repelled. But matter of fact, this is where, uh, where um, a few Americans stepped in. And actually, make that happen. They built the Polish Air Force. People don't know about it, and even today, the signs were by this uh, uh, by by some of the Polish uh, by the one of the Polish squadron has American flag in it. Communists never admitted to it. They never wanted to, to, to people to know, and I didn't know it until I was uh, uh, until socialism fell and this truth became available. But American flag was carried in the battle by Poles at the beginning of the Second World War. So there was a squadron, famous squadron, 303, who was the highest scoring squadron in Battle of Britain. That, its symbol uh, incorporates American flag, the red stripes and stars, uh, red-blue red, colors and stars. And uh, you can see it if you look uh, look up anything about the Squadron 303, the most effective squadron of Battle of Britain. So that, that squad that, that insignia existed were carried in the battle in 1939.
3: So interesting. How old were you when you came over?
0: I was 24. How how did you get over here? Well, after prison time, yeah, I yeah. had uh, I don't didn't have much. I know how tough you are. Did you tunnel all the way to here? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I wouldn't put it past people, your ass, bro. People, I know. People ask me. How, uh, 50, yeah,
0: people ask didn't swim? How, did, how, did how did you get here? I said, what? Well, swim his whole way? I didn't I, get it. I, I, that's easier for me to answer was the uh, ship, because it's an easier way to say it for me. But I didn't say it right. So how did you came to America? On the ship. Yeah. Uh, ship. How did you come the ship? Sheep. Well, ship on the water. So you were, you, rode, you rode the ship through the ocean. I said, yes. Well, you're talking ship. Yes. <laughs> I uh, know, for me, it's hard to That's how tough difference. he was. He rode a damn sheep <laughs> all the <laughs> way over here. Who, but no one I don't even heard Can that. Can we talk before. about
2: why you ended up in prison? Yes. In uh,
0: so, one of those crises, like I described earlier, like every four or five years, the socialism uh, uh, has these upheavals because people eventually get so tired and, and, and they're too hungry to put up with it, so they revolt. In 1979, John Paul II was uh, came to Poland to visit. Actually, this is a funny story too about that. I'll expand on it a little bit later. So he was preaching uh, to Pauls. So, Look, you are hungry. I know you are tired, and you want freedom. You need to step up and 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 fight for it. You you don't don't let people discourage you. Don't let People say that this is the way it's supposed to be. This is not. You need to fight for your freedom. And people raised up. People started organizing. It was 1979, I remember. And as people start organizing, uh, I noticed too that, uh, I noticed my parents, my, my mother noticed, that the government is starting passing the laws, kind of strange laws, basically allowing them to... Uh, legally, because they used to kill people and arrest people uh, all the time, but it was like on the side of the law in the shadows. So now they could do it legally. And if you were asking, why do you do that? The answer always was, well, it's just just in case if, the, if there is a foreign power attacking Poland or if there's something, we need to have some means to defend ourselves and this is that the, these things will never be used. In Poland, they never these rules and those laws will never be used against Polish people. Well, until 1991, when they post martial law and arrested from uh, 25 to 60,000 people in one night. But uh, that's 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 later. So, so they uh, the, the, this is how people start organizing themselves and eventually created the first independent from communist party organization. That was totally independent, normal, not not uh, fraudulent. But normal elections to the the it trade unions. This is this disguise was for organization who was able to oppose the the, the communists and socialist atrocities and slavery. So they um, they impose the, before they imposed the martial law. People start organizing themselves. They eventually they built and they approved the the communists Finally, had no choice. There was was eighty percent people. Within these organizations, warning that. So they organize this, they call it Solidarity, the trade union Solidarity. So that was uh, the first independent from Communist Party organization in the entire Warsaw Pact. So you can imagine the fear in Moscow now. So Poland is filing, falling out of the socialist bloc. That's what the panic was there. So communists decide eventually, 1991, when they approved that uh, trade union, there was only rules to buy the time. By this time, they were making lists of people to arrest. So there was not like random arrests when it happened on December 13th. They just ran up and just found 25,000 people to put in jails, in prisons. That was, that was very deliberate, that process. While they were approving that trade union, while they were making uh, kind of uh, amicable movements towards the Polish society, they were already planning to overthrow it and destroy it. So in 1981, December 13, at midnight, all communications in Poland ceased. The phone, the phone stopped working, TV radio was shut down, there was no communications. The towns being start being circled down by the military, isolated. You couldn't move from town to town. Eventually, the the, the uh, up past midnight, the military moved into towns, and uh, with the secret police, they start raiding the homes of people on the list and arresting them. The estimates are different. I mean, nobody knows even today, but they, they vary from six thousand people to sixty thousand people in one night. I tend to believe it is somewhere between around 50, 40000 people were arrested, and um, then uh, we start. We already had a taste of freedom from solidarity, a taste of freedom from socialism. So a lot of people start building organizations, and including myself, me and my friends, people from the, the, the trade union, who say, right, we need to do something. The best, the only thing we can do right now is printing newspapers with, with the real facts. What happened? Who was arrested? Where they, these people are now? Because nobody knew, they would just disappear from the, from the homes, from uh, the, the families who were trying to find them. They didn't even know where people were. And uh, so this is how it started. And we started building the uh, different organizations. I, I was in one of them, we were printing newspapers, basically facts about martial law, why it was illegal, who was arrested, where these people could be, what can happen to them. And it didn't take long. I didn't know any better. I was not a conspiracist, or I I was just a normal kid at the time, but, I, but the freedom spoke to me. I, I wanted to be free. I didn't want this, and we can talk later about what the communist socialism did to society, and how they operated, but I didn't want this anymore. So as we built it, eventually we got arrested. That was not very difficult because we didn't know how to do it. There was not like a very elaborate organization. We just print it out and disseminate to people. So that they take long. So, so this is how I ended up in prison. My sentence was three years of prison for, try, for uh, distributing, the semi, uh, for creating, distributing anti socialist uh, propaganda, uh, calling to, uh, and trying to, uh, and I was accused of trying to overthrow socialist government. Uh, uh including it by force i was so i was arrested uh, and then you know spent time in prison actually as funny because that prison time for me was education that was a huge education about polish history because the, the funny thing is that when they when they put together this, uh, the the political prisoners in uh, in, in in those prisons they were not just people like me, they were scientists, they were uh, professors, philosophers, uh, physicists, uh, historians. This is where my eyes really opened. This is where I start learning this stuff. I'd never heard about it. I never know that even such monuments exist before they were destroyed by communists, because it was before my time. They were They were raising everything out that was not aligned with socialist ideology. So uh, I didn't know about it. So when I started learning about it as a good God, that was so, uh, and I was single at the time. I was just kid, um, didn't have uh, anybody outside but my mom. Um, so I, I was uh, not bothered by that prison as much as I was uh, learning. So when I came out from prison, I think then I became dangerous to socialist state because I knew, I knew the history. I knew what they were really doing. So, yeah, we call those prisons gulags, but they, technically they were not. I need to make sure that people understand. We call them gulags because they operate the same way, the, the similar way the Soviet Union prison system operated. There were people, who, the, 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 the prisons officials and administration were was advised by Russian generals and colonels and, and uh, Russians embedded within the Polish government.
2: What did your dad think about you getting arrested?
0: I didn't talk to my dad. Since he left when I was seven years old, mm. I refused, uh, and we can. Uh, I would like to go a little bit later because. So um, I, we didn't talk to him. The only thing he came to prison one time, and uh, uh, I, I remember I didn't want to meet with him. I I met with him before he died when I went to Poland and uh, we knew that he doesn't, ha- doesn't have much time left so I kind of uh, just to easy him out I went, I visited him, actually me and uh, my wife with Rachel I went there and we talked uh, for a while but uh, as Rachel knows uh, and heard he was unrepented. he was still that ardent communist who was uh, in, uh, in uh, despair because his socialist ideas were not implemented. They failed. He did not like it. His idea was always that if we cannot convince you to like socialism, we get rid of you and we get rid of you by any means. So we will cancel you. You stop existing in police society. And they did. We can talk about it later. I would like to mention about the techniques used by the socialist state. And uh, if that doesn't help, we just impress you on the false charges. If that doesn't work, you just disappear and that happened. So uh, that was my father's idea of implementing socialism. He, he believed that uh, we need to convince people to socialism because it offers such a great things, but if we can't, we have the power now, since this socialist state, we have the power to eliminate these people, we call them enemies of the state, uh, because they do not subscribe to the values that, that I want people to subscribe. He was very adamant about it, but if you look at him, and like when Rachel met him, he was a gentleman. He was a very nice person. He was somebody you would meet. You say, I wish I had a grandpa like this, or I wish he was my neighbor. This guy was uh, well-educated. He was a philologist. He was a professor, and he was working for the communist government. He sold his soul to government, and uh, we can talk about later too. I was exposed to his ideas when I lived with him for a year, I think year and a half, until he got tired of me kicking me right back, so <laughs> so yeah. Wow.
3: Okay, so when you got out, how much time passed before you came over here?
0: Well, the first time I tried to build my life there, but what happened is I was doing kickboxing at the time, and Taekwondo, So, and there's another story too, but we can come back to it later. So, uh, very often, like we're working out at night, uh, around from 7 to 8 to 10 o'clock for two, three hours a day. And uh, there was nothing unusual. I was working with our guys uh, on the street, and there's that two cars pulling civilian cars. They, uh, the guys jump out of it with the badges, say, okay, we're secret, secret police, you go with us. They just handcuff me, throw in the car. Our guys, like they knew already what happened. I mean, they knew who I was, so they were not surprised by Taekwondo kickboxing buddies. So they drove me around from till two, three o'clock in the morning around the town, out of town, in the woods, somewhere we drove. It's pretty scary at times. And uh, after and, uh, worrying that one, one of these trips, I will not come back. And uh, they were not uh, squeamish about it too, because time I ask, where are we going? Well, when we get there, they won't, it won't matter to you anymore. So I was like, wow. And uh, so usually they drove me, throw me up on the outskirts of the town, city like two, three o'clock in the morning that there was no buses. No, I didn't have a car anyway, but I always used the buses or the trolleys. Nothing was working. And so I had to walk home for a few miles. <laughs> I got really scared. So that's why the site decided to leave. I mean, that's uh, sooner or later, it will not end up well. And I went to U.S. Embassy. I asked for help. Is
3: that how it worked? How'd you, yeah, how did you get over? Did You just walk up to the, one of the embassies? Or? Yeah, I just
0: walked up to the embassy, and of course, the embassy—you know—that was under heavy surveillance. Yeah. And um, but I, I didn't care. I mean, Podolski—they what, what don't know about me. That I, that besides, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not—I'm opposing socialism because I've seen it, I experience it, and I have seen the uh, people who are dead today because they oppose socialism. So I went to U.S. embassy. I was straight in. I introduced myself I uh, yes, uh, I told them who I am and why I'm here so and I was not the only one at that time there was a lot of people uh, like me asking for help so they say yeah please bring us this and these documents We end up there so I went and collect all the documents that I had uh, my my courts actually my court is, uh, my court proceedings and my uh, my whole case is public on the Polish government side right now since I was fully exonerated by, after socialism fell by the legitimate Polish government. So uh, they, they w- once I collect all the documents, they say, okay, you're gonna have a document as a promise to receive the uh, 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 emigrational visa to the United States. Now into need to go to Polish government, they ask for a passport because in Poland, you couldn't have a passport. Only people who, socialist, uh, a government trusted could have a passport, and they were also not kept at home. Once you get a passport, use it. You come back, you return it to the government. So you didn't, didn't. have a passport. Uh, so I went with these documents to uh, the to, to Polish office, and I told them what, I, what I'm doing, why. So they said, okay. So this is the procedure now. You have to first go to military, say that they are not and police that you are not being sought after. That nobody. That you are. They don't. They don't. They don't, they don't need you. They don't want you. Uh, you are not wanted man okay so you need to go out, you need to have see that you are not wanted man. <laughs> I remember I went to first I went to uh, military because in Poland military service was compulsory at the time it was draft and uh, if you you couldn't if you, Poland was small and the surveillance of the government was so pervasive that you couldn't hide you couldn't skip that you either go to jail or to, to, to join military. So I went up there and uh, I, I told them, this was the document that I have. I want, I'm leaving Poland. I need that uh, document from you, from recruiting office, that I am not uh, being wanted man and uh, I, that I can leave. <laughs> I still remember this guy, this uh, major, whoever it was. He just sits up there on the desk, just looks at me. You can tell he's disgusted on his face. Then he looks at the eagle, the eagle. The, the the Polish symbol at the time, and I say, people like you, young people, should serve until this Polish eagle up there, not seeking uh, outside uh, uh, escape Poland. I got really mad. I said, that eagle of yours is not even Polish because Bolsheviks, you see this eagle up there? He's missing a crown. The, the Bolsheviks stole the crown and took it to Siberia. Matter of fact, they actually kidnapped entire Polish eagle and ferried on Siberia, what you have is a fake Polish eagle, but I wouldn't want to be in your shoes or shoes, any of the, your Bolsheviks lackeys, when this Polish eagle can come, come back. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the guy, said that he was yelling, screaming, stomping, spitting uh, out of his mouth, but he had absolutely no choice. He had to sign it because that, that, that's the way it worked at the time. So he signed. it. When I left this office, I was walking on the street. I still could hear him screaming and cussing after. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I just couldn't help myself. That was not Polish eagle. That was eagle uh, because crown, any royal symbols offended Bolsheviks and communists, socialists. So everything in Poland was immediately removed. That eagle was just a uh, uh, creation of socialists and communists who just said, OK, let's make an eagle that doesn't offend communists. Socialists, so they create one like this, and it was not Polish eagle. Polish eagle returned, and these Bolsheviks eventually got. Uh, even today, they are still prosecuting some of these people implementing socialism in Poland for atrocities, especially the judges. Uh, even today, there are cases pending, and they call it extrajudicial uh, murders. Uh, no, uh, the, because the judges were sentencing some people to death. Uh, in post-war, post-second-war era. So, uh, and on either fake charges or just just for opposing socialism. So these people are even today, that today now when Poland is free, some of them are being still sought out, uh, seek out, people will seek out them, the government, and also uh, they are being prosecuted.
2: get the asylum, do they give you money to get a plane ticket and to come over? Not or? they.
0: The United States did.
2: The United States does. Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, uh, actually, the organizations within the United States, it was very well organized. I. Um,
3: yeah, was that a hard thing? Was it a hard
0: process to go through? No, no, no. Basically, the only hard process was, uh, uh, the only hardship was caused by socialists in Poland because they uh, like they require me to buy like 10 or 15 dollars in Poland dollars were illegal you couldn't have dollars you could have a like a how do you call it they call it bond, bond. Yeah, bonds? The, bonds yeah so you buy from Polish government something that was supposed to be a dollar but the, the Polish government controlled control that. But I needed real dollars, so there was, they were not twice as expensive. And the, that $15 at the time was like a month and a half or two months of my paycheck. I didn't have that money. I had to borrow. So I borrowed, I purchased these dollars. And then I, I was provided with a ticket to the United States, actually to Germany first, the, like, like a uh, place where we can uh, kind of learn a little bit more about America, where uh, we can wait for assignment where we will go. So I flew to Germany first. There were already people from uh, I think State Department and uh, and uh, some of the Poles working for State Department waiting for us because that was not the only one. And they uh, drove us to the hotel where we spent next I think month or two months just learning about America. There was not enough time to learn English. I didn't speak English at the time. but uh, there was so uh, I was so fascinated. There was like, you know, they basically were telling us, about life in America, about the things you need to do, you ought to do, how to be a good citizen, and uh, and they they, they, very, uh, they were very stern about it, that you do not have to be citizen to live in America, this is your choice. It was so unreal, you know, they, just, they didn't ask her for anything, they just come and live, be free, live as a free man. And... Um yeah, that's what I asked. My told myself, uh, yes, I will become U.S. citizen. I'll be the best U.S. citizen America can have. Hmm. So that was my promise. So where'd you come in at? I came on the <laughs> on the airplane. <laughs> so I came on the airplane and uh, we landed in New York, through New York. I came to Memphis. You came in through New
3: York. Yeah, Statue York. of Liberty. Yeah, the whole the whole true. the way you're yeah. supposed to write, the way. Cool uh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: so. Uh, so we flew, and then uh, there were people already. Uh, oh, the, the funny thing is, too, in Germany, when they were teaching us about America. Was that on an army base? No, no, no. It was in the hotel in Germany. Okay. It was just like a, uh, like a uh, nice small town, and uh, it was very relaxing, it was very quiet. And uh, so we were provided with everything with food, with a place to stay. And uh, that only what they asked us to learn about America. So we did, and uh, that was uh, where, uh, yeah, I didn't know any English. I, I had no money. The money, the $15 that I had, I just went bought myself, uh, my dream of my life, a little tape recorder so I can listen to the music. It was like so small for me at that time. It was like maybe that big. And I was <laughs> like, God, God, I am so rich right now. I'm so mad, you know. <laughs> I have it. And, uh, yeah, so they... Uh, they, they, they ask us, too, like, where would you prefer? Do you have any preferences as coming to the United States where you would like to settle down? You know, I was always cold in Poland because we didn't have good clothes. Or we couldn't afford good clothes. So I only asked, like, if you can, if possible, if I can go to place where it's always hot, I just don't want to be cold anymore. we got so, places like that here. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. Here. <laughs> so they... they um, they uh they wrote it down and they say, What do you think about like later on, right before my departure, maybe like two weeks, say, what do you think about Memphis, Tennessee? I say, I don't know where the Memphis is, I don't know what Memphis is, but I know that Elvis Presley is from Tennessee. The king lives there. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but is it is this is it hot up there? I say, Yes, yeah, this is very hot. I say, Right on, sign me up. <laughs> and this is where I this is how I end up in Memphis, Tennessee. So, yeah, I came in with a bag of clothes. By the time I spent this $15, so I had only 10 Phoenix, German Phoenix. This is like less than 10 cents. That's all I had in my pocket.
3: So when you wound up, what was the first thing you did? Go get a job, find a place to live?
0: No, first what I did was because there were people from the church already waiting for me. Church. They took me out. That's who got you first was the y- church? Yes. Yeah. They helped me find the apartment, but in the meantime, they put me with like an elderly couple from the church. So you just wait here, you know, we kind of like relax and uh, and um we find an apartment and some job for you or help you find it so i stayed there for a few days and uh, i remember in Poland this was so unreal so these older couples say okay well you know we are retired here but uh or but i'm still working helping here i'm busy here so in the daytime you will be by yourself so this is the fridge you can get yourself food and stuff In Poland, it was like, you don't go to somebody's fridge and pull things out. So I was like, they left. So what do I do? I'm starving. I'm hungry, but I just cannot go to this fridge. I had to ask. But uh, so I kind of, first two days, I didn't eat until they came back, but they noticed that. So didn't you eat anything? I was like, the two Polish people, other they Polish people, they spoke your language then, right? No, no, no. I had a translator at the time. Okay, oh, so check. So they, uh, they, the other Polish people, they came say, no, you need to go start eating. this is different in America. If they are invited and they tell you that food is there and please help yourself, you just do that. I just couldn't bring myself. Was, I think I, I don't, I don't want to be impolite and just go and raid their fridge. But this, this is what I thought about. So I started eating. But they also they had the time in the morning. So they were—they lived on the outsk- outskirts of Memphis, so I say, they told me like, well, you know, if you feel like walking around the neighborhood to see how people live in America, you are welcome. So first thing I did is like, well, neighborhood is nice, but it's the same. So, but I want to see those stores, I want to see these tape recorders, the the cameras, the toys, the all that cool stuff. In America, so it has got to be in downtown. In Poland, you go to downtown to see all this. Uh, or, or you walk on the walk on the, uh, the sidewalk and all these sides and these buildings are those nice stores. So I say I'm going to go to downtown. I didn't know how far it was. I just see the far away the buildings. So I put my flip flops on and I was walking like, where is the where is the sidewalk? No sidewalk. So I'm just skirting, dodging the cars, <laughs> trying to get to this. It was like maybe four, four or five miles in flip flops. Yeah, I made to the downtown and I looked like. Big, powerful buildings, but there is no stores. There is nothing. No, no, those windows to look at anything. There was a bunch of uh, restaurants, which I didn't have the money to buy anything. So I kind of disappointed. Say, well, where are the? How people buying this cool stuff? There is nothing here. You know where they find it? I didn't know anything about malls. Yeah. (laughs) So, so then I'm flopping back, flip flop, flip flop. It's so unusual in America to see people on the street, and people are so attentive to it. You know, this is what I would say. America is built on goodness. This is what was to the point. Like when you do something good for other people, you don't dwell on it. You just like well, that's the right thing to do. It's just like do it and, and help. But this is not normal anywhere around the world. This is only in America that this so so ingrained in America life. That people don't pay attention that they just do it and don't dwell on it that's not, so transparent why do you want I do it because it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and that's that, that's 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 why i was, was flip-flopping bag up there on these flip-flops people were stopping you need some help what do, do you what happened you need a ride i was like i was like no i don't know who you are <laughs> i'm just like uh no no thank you thank you i walk, i walk. So I was walking through interstates a little bit here, was crossing the interstate, because <laughs> I didn't know any better in Poland everywhere you walk. That people don't have a car. Most of the people didn't have a cars at the time. So I just keep walking, crossing interstate. There was no sidewalk. We just walk on the street or walk whatever I could to make my my way back. <laughs> but then I, when I told them, it's like, don't ever do it. It's so, okay. We'll take you for a ride. And, <laughs> uh, so this is how I, how I, it was my first days in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, Also, they took me for a ride, but the same before they bought me a little dictionary. I still have this dictionary uh, uh, to this day. So they drove me around. Okay, this is the residential area. This is the business area. This is the mall that will take you so you can see. You can walk. All I see was like a huge building. So I say, "Good God, who lives in that?" And uh, that's a big apartment. That was a mall. That was not an apartment. So they, as we drove, I just... somebody's closet. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody's closet. So as we drove around, you know, the, the dictionary that they gave me, I'm looking, I try to impress them too. That I'm trying to want to learn English. So like, this is... Looking, three. Yeah, you know, this is three. So we're going and then, um, this is... Woman, <laughs> yeah, you know, you get good. So, we're going through my name, and I see the you know, black guy walking on the street. So, I'm looking very quick and say, This is mm, the ugly word. That's, I have it till this day in dictionary. The oh, gee, they almost wrecked the car. I was like, <gasps> God, Don't and say they started, that. <laughs> I, I didn't understand uh, what they were saying, but she's like, I know she was very uh, upset. They all, they both were very upset. So they, um, and I showed, like, uh, like, I don't know what it is, but like, mm-hmm. the dictionary you gave me, she this, oh my, uh. give me a pen. So she scratched this thing and say, black man, and say, repeat, black man, say black man. So this is black man. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> oh
2: but, you know, this is the
0: pitfalls that people get into that i got a lot with english as I, I, I was learning it more. i'm still learning, mm-hmm. but i'm still learning but uh, th- at that time it was very difficult for me so yeah. Uh, so yeah the, after this, this incident i usually like before i even say something i was like okay yeah okay <laughs> so i used that word
3: how long did it take you before you started picking it up pretty good
0: i think maybe uh, a, a month or two when i start finally understanding cartoons uh, because what I was doing, you know, I went to, like, I went to work, like maybe a week and a half later, I got, so they, they got me an apartment, uh, and, uh, and they gave me, gave me a job in school, so I was a janitor. And I started, uh, when I was, you know, mapping, I said, my, like, in, from newspapers, I cut out these cartoons. You know what do you call it? Cartoons? Yeah. No, those, that was like, yeah. And I was like, Jane likes Joe. Okay, so I'm just Jane likes Joe. It means that uh, Jane, Luby, Joe. I'll just translate in Polish and just keep going and keep going. And eventually I started picking up. I was watching TV and I couldn't understand the word, what was being said. So uh, by watching cartoons, you know, uh, it was easier for me to understand. So basically, I learned uh, uh, English, uh, at least initially, from watching cartoons and reading the newspaper cartoons. Uh, And having dictionary in the back pocket. I I tried to remember, I told myself, at least 10 words a day. So I was just like, select like 10 most popular words. And then I was just like hammering in my head.
3: I don't know why they don't do that in school. Like when they try to teach you a foreign language in school, and just sit us down like we teach every other kid. Look at some cartoons, and it helps. With us, the first day you're in there learning how to conjugate a verb in yeah. a sentence. Like, you don't even know how to do that regularly till you're <laughs> 10 or 11. Yeah. What are you even talking about? So that's but, why no one ever picks it, the language yeah, up in school. Yeah, but I
0: think I've had a, I had more formal education before. I just couldn't afford it, and I was busy trying to make my living. I was I didn't really care much about uh, you know, the, the grammar at the time, uh, Sorry, they will come. But the way I learned English was with a uh, lot of grammar errors, and it still haunts me sometimes. Because, you know, once you learn one certain way, it's easier to learn the right way mm-hmm. than re learn.
3: That's true. I don't know what that is, but everyone who doesn't speak English and is, is not from America, when they come over, they don't care. They'll butcher some English, they'll throw it out, they don't care. <laughs> So you have every, the, everyone's great at that, except for Americans. Like, we'll learn a couple of words in, in a foreign language, and we will not throw it out there. For, I guess because it's embarrassing or something, but everyone else, they don't care.
0: Well, you have a choice, because, you know, English is so popular, you don't need to learn a different language. If you don't, if you don't remember, you supplement yourself the, with English words. People will understand, and you don't want to look bad, you know, but I had no choice. So, you know, basically my, my English was like, uh, I, I is what I is, you know, I be what I <laughs> be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's uh, the best, speaking <laughs> up of term When, it, when but, you hear that, you're like, oh, I heard
3: that. <laughs> yeah, but
0: the more I listen, the more I uh, learn, the, 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 the better I get. I still get sometimes chastised by Rachel if I use the wrong uh, oh no, he just likes to add
2: a lot of extra A and the. Kind of all, all throughout through, yeah, right, the yeah. sentence. Yeah. So
0: the, the, don't even get me started on this there and this F. I think <laughs> I've mentioned about it before, right? Because we got words it, where the
3: letters don't even mean anything. They're like, yeah, the, the, that's the best well, part. Oh,
0: use F instead of that. Yeah, okay. Uh, th- 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 Especially F- when you get fired <laughs> up. Like when he gets fired oh, up, yeah. that's when
3: that when it starts flowing together. You can't stand a word. He's saying,
0: you Well, know that's where, saying.
2: where if he's on the phone with someone, they'll tell him to hand the phone to me. <laughs> Sometimes still <laughs> so do. You know,
0: once I left the teams, my English kind of went south because I'm sitting at the computer. I'm a software engineer now. So I work at the computer and, and I don't talk to people. In, in teams, you have to talk. That, that, there's nothing elaborate, but at least I was proficient with it. Mm-hmm. And now we just have to, like, sometimes like, people look at me that, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, what okay.
2: did he say?
3: especially <laughs> What Especially, especially with our vocabulary because guys will say something to each other that has nothing to do with the situation. But yeah. it's from some movie or some book or something. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you got to go back and forth with that, and that's thats the wit that comes with being in our fraternity. Yeah.
0: Besides, in the teams, you know, the language is somewhat different too, or the slangs that we sometimes use. Oh. I was—I got so used to it that yeah. I really had to re- relearn English. And she actually, helped Rachel, helped me with this because you cannot use these words. I'll so give you some bad habits. Understand. Sure, sure. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah we got so. that for sure. Um,
2: what did you ever stay in touch with the? elderly couple that brought you in
0: uh no um i after i uh joined the navy uh i it, it, all my contacts broke uh and uh, i didn't have a contacts with with anybody there um so yeah that was uh, I, I left memphis and i never came back to Memphis. H- how long before Sorry. you came in to
3: when you left uh
0: was that how, how long was,
3: were you here before you joined the navy
0: Uh, Six years until I became a U.S. citizen. That's how long it took? Well, uh, you see, that was not that easy at the time. At that time, you had to pass the test. You had to learn about United States history. You have to wait five years first. Then you have to get all these materials. You can prepare yourself. Again, you don't have to do it. You can live in the United States without being a citizen. But I wanted to be American. So I did that. uh, So I... Yeah, it took me a while because I wanted to be good American. I wanted to know about America. So this is something that, uh, that you know, I had to study at the time, prepare myself, I'll polish my English too, so the, the examining uh, officer uh, will understand me. And actually, I think I impressed him, you know. And uh, Actually, there is a video of me. This is funny because I have that video from TV channel because when we went uh, to the ceremony of becoming Americans, the TV was there and they video it. So they interview what I feel about it, you know, uh, how do I I feel now? So I was so excited. I was uh, talking, talking, talking and the comments. Well, some people, and the comment on the TV is uh, like, well, some people, my English may not be that great and understandable, but they have so much enthusiasm and so much, (gasps) they they, they are so in love. And I have that video, it's actually that comment is so funny. Now we are laughing at it. I I got the tape from that. At the time, <laughs> so, yeah, we
2: uh, actually were driving back from somewhere with the family and drove by the first apartments he lived in in Memphis.
0: Oh wow! Oh. It was well, it was a project. Uh, I didn't yeah. know anything. Project, project. That that thing looked better than my neighborhoods, you know, in, in Poland. And uh, I, I I'll, I'll send you, I show you some of the pictures from Poland, from the Polish. Uh, actually, in my book that there are some from the neighborhoods. So, uh, so that, I didn't know much what the project is. I didn't. For me, there was just uh, the housing with a lot of people milling around. The place they placed me was a lot of actually immigrants. There was like one uh, two-story building with the balcony going all the way around, and each apartment was like the doorstep. I'm more like a hotel today. You would say some of those less expensive hotels. So, but I was living with a bunch of Cambodians, Vietnamese. which I have so much respect for these people. How they, how hard they work. Vietnamese. And uh, and at that time it was bustling with life, but I didn't know that that life was just a prostitution and drug and drugs at the time. But uh. Uh, for me it was just a people walking around, you know. Uh, and and uh, so when we went up there, everything is boarded now. There's groans all over. There's just, uh, it's <laughs>
2: condemned it's it's condemned yeah. one building. There's still police pretty active. Yeah, police so. pretty active because it's oh still a part of the town,
0: but. You know, this is how I started. I was so proud of it. You know, say, I, I, when I got this apartment, I couldn't contain myself with these people who brought me there to live. so I can call my mom and say, Mom, I have an apartment. You know, in Poland, apartment has a little bit different meaning. It's more like an apartment is, at the time was to have something great, like a great place to live that very few Poles ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So I say, by the Americans in, in the making. So I say, Mom, I have an apartment. Apartment. That must be expensive," she says. "Not only that, I have a fridge, refrigerator. So, oh my God! <laughs> and I have acclimatizations. So, say, oh, how much do you pay for that? This? this is you really can afford this? Can you have it? I say yes. I can pay myself for it. And check this out. You remember these boxes in the windows? We thought people keep food in it. Oh. they are not boxes for food. They are This is a machine that makes your house cool. Ah. Because, you know, when I was growing up, I was watching movies, American movies. I see these boxes in the windows. My mom always kept the milk and other stuff on the ledge outside the window because in Poland it's cold, so it was like a natural fridge for us. <laughs> but sometimes things fell off the fridge, especially in the strong wind. So I say Americans are so. I always think like Americans are so smart. Why in Poland can't just make simple box put outside the window? We can keep their food up there and everything without risking killing somebody <laughs> So 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 then I re- when I came to America, of course, I realized this is not. Uh, they're not food boxes. They were conditioning. So, oh, my gosh. So that's, that's my That's impression. so funny. So that, yeah.
2: So when you did join the Navy, did you know what the SEAL teams were?
0: Uh, at that time, not really. The, the way I joined uh, uh, military was I, when the war broke up, I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I I, like I said earlier, I was not rich to build jobs. And my, my goal was always to be good American, be good citizen. What can I do to make our country better. But, you know, being a poor guy, uh, I was not really that poor at that time, but I, I didn't have a means or know-hows, how to build jobs for fellow Americans, how to be helpful. But I think I can fight for them. So I say I'm going to go. The war broke out. That's my moral obligation to join the effort. I go sign up. I didn't know how to go about it. So I've seen on the post office those cards. Selective, uh, what do you call it? Services. Selective services.
3: turn 18. Yeah, turn 18
0: to register yourself. So I just filled this up, I sent it off, went back to my apartment and started. I was living with other skydivers, skydivers by the time, Uh, and I start packing my stuff. Say, what are you doing, Drago? Oh, they call me Jeronimo at the time. So what are you doing, Geronimo? I was like, well, I'm going to war. You're going to war? What war? I say, Iraq, Kuwait. They say, Wow, well, wait a minute. How did you how did you do it? I say I just sent them the the postcard. So I'm just waiting for the cow. postcard. <laughs> yeah. <you> know, so <laughs> I, I thought, that's what oh, it was, right? Oh, yeah, a postcard. I thought that's how you join, you know. So well they say, No that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. That's uh, We need to, uh, well, let's see what happened. Like a month later, came in, well, thank you for your effort, but you are too old. You are like 30 years old and you are out of the range. But anyway, thank you. So I was kind of like, well, I guess that's not how it works. So then I, with advice of my fellow skydiver, I went to army recruiting office. And then they say, okay. In Memphis, Memphis, yes. So they say, okay, what do you want to do? I say, I want to go to war okay, uh, is any place you want to serve? Or like any you need do you have any preferences? I said, I, I don't know. I just want to go, send me whatever America needs me. Say, okay. So they started, started filling paperwork. It, was, it took, I think, a few months before we complete most of it. And then the leapfrogs showed up in Memphis. Mm. So they went to our drops and we skydived up together the seals. And I thought, those are cool guys. And they are so good in the air, you know, they are really good. So it was really enjoyable and i told them that I'm, I'm about to join army and say so it's like wait a minute why don't you go and talk to your recruiter but go to navy recruiter and tell them that you want to be navy seal that's why i want the navy seals uh, we are i say holy shit i can do it all the uh, <laughs> whole uh, you really? even know what a seal was back then uh, no one know. did really back no, no that, that's idea.
3: the 80s right yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. The 80s, excuse me yeah. 90s early 90s right? yeah yeah those like yeah those those, those 90s yeah so uh, then um so i went to army recruiting uh, to navy recruiting office and say look uh, i want to join navy and uh i want to be a seal that's like oh <laughs> okay so but how old are you 30 uh okay uh so we can start paperwork now i said well i already have completed paperwork with army office up there maybe you guys can go and get it and stuff Like, okay, you need to go up there and get it. So I was like, damn, how do I I was it was so awkward for me, you know. These guys did all these words, all these interviews and everything. I was pretty much ready to go. And then I have to go tell them that I'm going next door. (laughs) So they didn't work good. So I went up there and grabbed the uh, but I did it. And I I brought them the papers when they looked, so yeah, you are too old, but I tell you this, as a recruiter told me. You sign this right here. And I guarantee they will make you an ABCL. All oh, you chose just to sign it, go up there, and they will make you a salesman. Boy, that guy
3: was a salesman, wasn't he? <laughs>
0: well, that was a poor buyer. I signed this piece of paper right here. like, there's nothing on it. <laughs> there will be. Don't worry, there's your <laughs> Sign yeah. right there. But at least they were nice to me Say, like, look, so. Uh, Freaking list then, of papers, one page. <laughs> So they say, okay, so this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to boot camp, and then you will have... Even if you... So when when they, when before they make you a SEAL, you will have to get a job in the Navy. At that time, you remember, there was I no remember, SEAL yeah. rating. There was just... You became... Uh, that way, if you the, didn't the, make it, yeah, they send you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, something At least that do. was nice to me They say, okay, well, you don't need a job. You just go designate it, and then, and then try and hope that you will make oh. it. They will say, I will give you a job. So what job do you want? I said, like, something with skydiving, maybe parachutes. Parachute rigger. Oh, yeah, parachute rigger. I didn't know what it was, but I thought this was like Maybe parachute rigger, I think I have to jump. Yeah. Right? It's well, a that, great job. Like, yeah. It's a great
3: job. Oh, well, great I
0: job, think. but the rig was so filled up that I couldn't advance. Oh, yeah. I was like forever E5. <laughs> that's
3: how you know it's a great job. It fills <laughs> up. You can't get in there.
0: Yeah. So so then I started learning and, uh, out to boot camp. When I went, they had this funny thing because... Uh, when they got the paperwork, and the, when we selected the parachute rigging school, he looked in, the, in the, his manual and say, well, it's like kind of like a little bit with concern, say, but you know, like this, if you don't go to the school, uh, we need to time the, your bootcamp. So after bootcamp, you go to school. If you wait uh, longer, then you have to wait like four or five months to do that because for the next school, or you can join next week. And we can leave next week. I was like, sure. I had a girlfriend at the time, so I signed the paperwork, work on I think on Monday. So I was told to come back on Thursday to be sworn in a delay entry program. Because my paper was already completed, because that school started like next, the, the, the right after the bootcamp. I called my girlfriend and say, Hey, I'm going to get married, I'm leaving, I'm joining the Navy. It's like, what? on the other side of the phone. So I said yeah you know I'm for me to join the the, the 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 to be to get the job I have to join next week I have to leave next week thanks God she said yes at the time so we ran up very quick to uh, Memphis downtown we find the judge we just got like a I don't think we had the rings even at the time yet and he just blessed us Dominus, I mean, Dominos we are a married couple now and we send the paperwork and stuff we are married so then uh, we ran up got the get the rings and then um uh then i went on thursday got in the the entry program and i believe saturday i left to chicago and uh rest of the history but in the bootcamp, i was so i was so proud at first i was scared because there was yeah everybody was yelling at me screaming I, I can't understand only half of it what they said so but i was working so hard that i end up as a top recruit from all the uh, graduating batch. I got the military excellence award and I was the number one. I was like put up in front of the whole graduation group. Aww. So so that that, that didn't was feel good. that felt really good. Yes, I was so proud of myself. And there was a story too in the boot camp. I got the kidney stone at the time too. So they I, I, was, I need to come back to this was a second. So I was laying in the bed like at night I was on the bunk upstairs. And then just something like somebody punched me in the back, almost like the cops, the police, police—not police, but the prison guards. When they beat me, I'm in prison with the kidneys. So I thought maybe some they did some damage to it because as my kidney just worn out, I fell off the bed, and I was on my force And like within five minutes, there's like a big puddle of sweat on it because it was so painful. I had no idea what it was. The, the class my, uh, from my company, they called the carman, they came in. Are you okay? Are you okay? I said, do I look okay to you? I mean, I was like, Say, only pain. Said, no, you don't. Okay. So what are the kidney stones? They put in the documents. So I graduated from the uh, boot camp as number one, went to A school. I graduated from A school as a, one of the top uh, uh, students from PR school. And this is when the problem started, too, because um, like once I didn't know how to swim very well. I did practice a little bit and uh, uh, we started with, there's another friend of mine who went with me, Jason. Jason, you know who you are? Um, and uh, so we tried to practice it, but I could swim only without mask and on one side. We didn't know very well how to do the side stroke, neither Jason or I. So we just practiced the best we could. So, uh, but anyway, I made through the test and uh, so they, 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 when they look it up, oh, before even I went to the, before I went to, uh, to A school, the final, once I passed the, initially I passed the test for Navy SEALs, my ASVAB was high enough, so we went through medical uh, check and the medical check, the doctor looks at it and say, well, you just get a kidney stone, you have to wait, I think two years so i'm going to decline you cannot go into training after two years so no worry you just go and uh, you know you go to your profession your job and then you will uh, you will apply again you know for me at the time that, that, that to be a seal was not the most important thing i just wanted to serve so yeah. for me was like oh, sure okay i mean uh, uh, i understand and uh, and uh, that's fine uh, I'm still going to war, right? Say, so, yeah, I still go to war. Okay, perfect. So in the in the A school, finally, I'm just thinking like, well, well I'll just try it again. I just went to uh, Petevsarev Les Barrios. He was a SEAL motivator on base, rest in peace, brother, because I would never be SEAL if not if not you. But uh, so he passed away now. Um, so with uh, uh, I went to him and say like, I want to be a SEAL. I passed the test, but now uh, I don't know what to do. They told me I have to wait a year or two years. It is my medical record that I had a kidney stone. He's like, oh, okay, well, let's go see the test first. So I passed the test again. He said, oh, go get your medical record. Let me take a look at it. So he wrote the chat. I run to to, my, to, the, to the records. I got my medical record. I brought it to him. He said, okay, step outside. He was in his office. I could hear it. <laughs> comes back. <laughs>
2: hey,
0: uh, are you sure you had a kidney stone? I was like, well, hold on. Let's find this paper. Where was the medical record with a kidney stone? So we just go one by one. I don't see any. Are you sure he had a medical kidney? He had a kidney stone. It's like, no, I don't think I had ever. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely.
2: <laughs> Could've so, been in a bowel <laughs>
3: obstruction or something. I don't know. It's, it's not in there though. I definitely didn't have it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So here
3: you that's did, why you I was such a, a great stone. medic. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't mess with your records too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then graduating from the A school. depends on what I went, you needed. <laughs> yeah, as a top <laughs> recruiter, I got my Eventually, I had to wait because I think the process for me, since I was born in different country, was a little bit different. So eventually I got my orders to bats and the rest of the, the, rest of the history. I left. Uh, Isn't that the greatest was, feeling? Oh, God. I mean, that was, I remember when those that, came that in. Was,
3: I couldn't believe it when I saw it, when you see that number tattooed. Yeah, that Marcus,
0: paper. Melanie, when I got these orders, when I told I can't go to BOTS, the only thing I can compare to it when I got my immigration visa uh, from U.S. Embassy, Aww. when I was walking back home, I was like, I am free man. Yeah. I knew I was not yet, but I already seen myself as a free man.
3: I'll never forget so, it. So when they dropped that packet in yeah. front, it felt completely different. Yep. And it was just the beginning. Yep. Like we still had to go get our asses kicked and then go through hell. <laughs> but I yep. mean, it was such a great idea when that concept got dropped in front of yep. me. I remember that yep. very yep. vividly. Yep. And then looking at the other guys because they had their packets and they were saying, "Look, I'm going to this boat. You know, hopefully we'll see you later." And then some of the guys were all going together, but then when we go through Buka, there's only a handful. If you have anybody else at all, oh, I had like two guys with two, me, yeah, yeah, I had yeah, one yeah. other guy and he was in phase with me and we he made it all the way three still in I think, um, but
0: yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm proud. Of, well, I, I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind if I say his name. is Jason Cabell. He, he oh, was yeah. the guy. Uh, yeah, this yeah. brother, he was, he, he, he was the closest friend I had at the time, and uh, we, we worked together. We practiced together, and uh, he was very motivating. He was like a, like a brother to me uh, already, and we, we end up together in baths too. We were, class we're, were you? school together. What class? Uh, 185. Well, I started with 184. But, uh, All
3: right, so you sure up, what is that, a summertime class? Winter, uh, spring, fall?
0: That was wintertime. And uh, 184, but I graduated from 185. I started with 185, and right before the hell week, uh, when the flood mats... Was uh, that El Nino? Was that? Yeah. El Nino time frame? I think so. All the
3: storms where they had to pack the burn.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think so, because the, the weather always sucked.
3: Weather always sucked, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and
0: and I got the uh, mersa in my leg. So my
3: swim buddy got that, Tyler. Yeah, he, he and my legs rough.
0: swollen so bad that I had to actually cut my pants to to show up in the uh, uh, in the morning. And that's like, I they sent me right away to medical in baths, and they, you know, in baths like you, what the hell are you doing here? You know, it's like that was this. the worst. So they said, okay, but before that, I, was, I thought I'm smart. So when I, I I know it was festering on me to the point I couldn't put my pants on it. So I say, I just survived till Friday. Friday yeah, after work, I will go to Balboa. They will fix me. Monday, I'll be okay. And I will get resume what my training. What was it? The hospital. hospital. Oh, he yeah. gets no, uh, on your uh, leg. Uh, flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, yeah. God! So I went to Balboa. They cut it out. They, they just, like, clean it. They put the bandage on it. They send me, okay, you're good to go. So I say, okay. Kind of help uh, Friday. But Saturday was getting worse. Sunday I had a fever. My leg swollen. I could cut my pencil. So when I show up up there... They say, okay, let's go here. They look at it, say, the Balboa didn't irrigate it. Basically, they they just clean it up and send Mm -hmm. me. So they lay me on the table, they put the IV, stick the IV in the hole, and just keep for like a couple hours. I was laying there, they were just irrigating, irrigating. So it it helped. And I say, I asked to go back to my class. They say, no, because now we're going to flood muds and you'll be in the mud all the time. Uh, You're going to get injured. I say, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. I say, no, you're not good. You and they knew that I can't. So I say, I want you to run 10 laps around the courtyard up there in, the, in this thing. So, you know, they were just like, say, I will not finish those runs. They would have, they just tell me to, say, okay, run. So I keep running and I finished it. So now can I go back to my class? No, you, you, we can't let you go in the, in the training now with this open wound like this. Oh my so they don't want me back and uh i I was angry i was sad but you know i start i start from the very beginning again with class 185 and i graduated with class and you go back to going again I didn't go to Hell Week. I just it was right before. We the right Hell oh, week. So you saw it Yeah, call yeah. Back. that's what happened
3: to me. Yeah, Same thing and,
0: to me. and right before that, like, I got rolled. but then next one, next, next go around. So I feel
3: like guys who make it all the way through in the first try, that they're kind of pussies because they don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm <sorry. laughs> you know, I mean, anybody <laughs> get, who can make it through the first time. They <laughs> always <laughs> brag about it. Those one, one guys, man. I'm like, no, I, I got full benefit. Me and Drew, man, we hung back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we tried with it twice. <laughs> hey, if you're going through buds, don't hang back. Make sure you can get your ass through there because it sucks. <laughs>
2: Marcus <laughs> yeah. started with 226 and yeah. graduated 228
3: two, yeah yeah thanks yeah, takes, Full I yeah. my leg in monster Mash after hell
0: yeah but I would like to come back to Poland for uh for a little bit too if if, if I can uh so when it happened first I would like just come back to the uh uh to present time so this is what I learned when I when I met uh, real heroes. Because my our idea was like we had a pretty good story, so we all denied. It's like why well, it didn't happen. That's not true. We got prison sentence anyway. But uh, when I, I met people who and in my book I I have that actually the full speech. So the get some of the guys that like very prominent guys. I'm talking here about uh, Andrew Krasuski. Um, uh, uh, and many others, but particularly Andrew Krasinski, uh he was a leader of Solidarity in his town. He was an engineer. He didn't deny anything. He just went up and school the the, the, the the communist judges, the military judges, what the freedom means. He, he would be shot for that. He, it was 1940s 50s, he would be killed, and he still could. He, we didn't know what would happen. So basically he said, yes, I did it, but I'm guilty at charge. But I'm innocent of, uh, of what you are accusing me uh, of 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 of, uh, of being anti-Polish or anti-thing. I fought for free Poland and I'm still fighting for free Poland. Basically, he gave the speech, and the, to the point that it was the, the judges, the people who were embarrassed, the people who were allowed to listen to it were laughing, because that the, the, he made the, the, com, the whole communist system look so absurd. And eventually came to the point even that I just didn't have anything on him. That speech, his speech is in my book. I, I think everybody ought to read it. That's, that's courage. Mm-hmm. That's courage. And, uh, and so he, he, the judge said, yeah, but you were attacking uh, party officials, making mockery of them and, 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 and making people laugh at them. He said, well, the, he basically said that humor is, is nothing wrong with humor. And, and if we can't laugh, I mean, the, the oppressive state becomes even more oppressive, what you created. So they said, well, let me read to, to people here and let them judge if this is humor, or if this is just malicious attacking of party officials. And he read, it was so comical. And I think I have a quote from, uh, from him, what, what the poem was. People were laughing. They were scribbling everything on the, that, that, that poem. Uh, on the on, on the piece of papers, and later it was spread like a wildfire around, around Poland because it was so funny. You know, they was making fun from the party officials. So the judge, like, well, I guess my tactic didn't, tactics didn't <laughs> work. <laughs> so, so instead of uh, instead of make, making Andrew look more repulsive, he make him look like a hero more. And uh,
3: I'd never heard it put like that. But yeah. if you start making things that are supposed to be funny and comical and turn those bad is when we have a problem well that's what right when you switch humor into something dark and negative and it's like man, right. people don't know how to react
0: right you know if you can't
3: laugh then we're in trouble right, right?
0: but he laid it to them just basically how oppressive police state is how uh, illegal that martial law is and everything that people were afraid to say that, and or they were whispering around so which is the worst when they shut down it, yeah, and they start yeah, doing that yeah but so he just laid up in open, and he was in a communist' hands, so they could do with him whatever they wanted to do, and he was risking basically his life. And there's another thing I would like to tell about say about these people that you know, I was single, I was a young guy, and I had no, no, no other families but my mom and my siblings. But there were people in prison who were uh, fathers. Uh, 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 married uh, people have a families, and they stood up. They they did not caved in. They were they, they 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 didn't see any other way but to resist and fight the, the socialism and communist oppression. So they uh, I, I admire them because there's real courage because you were facing death basically being outspoken. You didn't know how they they will turn out. If there was if the Russian invasion will happen of the the the. They would be dead. That. that would be most likely sent to Siberia or uh, in, in, in the Soviet Union or they would just ex- execute it.
3: And that's a common knowledge fear throughout the land. Like, hey, yes. if you screw up that bad, yes. they're going to send you up to yes. Siberia, man. And that's, yes. you know, yes. very ready to come back from that. Yes.
2: So were the Polish afraid of all the Russians?
0: They were not afraid of Russians. They hated them. And, but, you know, let me say this. Not the Russians. I found Russians very warm and honest people. The, what we need to remember is that the Russians are who suffer the most under communism. There's around what, 60 million victims of the Soviet Union, mostly Russians. So when the Russians free themselves, the Russians is not communist anymore. It's not a socialist state anymore. It's not. People still think that, it, but it's not. Russians don't like communism and socialism. You know, there are some groups. Just like we have a socialist and communist sympathizer, socialist sympathizers in our country. Russians have to... They are, they are everywhere. But, uh, but Russians, I find that... I don't know if you ever listen to their music. If You ever talk to these people. They are very warm, welcoming people. These are not the Russians that very often are painted here. The Soviet, the Russian government by Russians is mm-hmm. evil. The socialist system is Evil, but n- most Russians are not socialists, not communists. Most Poles are not socialists, not communists. Most Americans are not socialists, not, not communists. Uh, Russians h- hate that uh, socialism as much as uh, and communism uh, as anybody else on earth because they suffer the most. Please remember also about the, that whether there was Poland, Hungary, on the, or, or, or Czechoslovakia, East Germany, there was not East Germany, there was not the Russians. Murdering people there in Poland, there were Polish socialists and communists murdering people, and enslaving people in Chos, in in Romania. There were Romanians who were Romanian socialists and communists. They were enslaving and murdering uh, people, sending them to prisons. And in Russia, there were Russians too who were enslaving and persecuting uh, 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 Russian people. Russians are, but the Russians, but if you look by the numbers of victims of socialism, are the most persecuted nation in the world. We need to remember that. I say, let's not throw all the Russians in one basket. I found them very warm. If you ever listen to the folk music, it's beautiful. These people are so musical. So we just need to understand these differences.
2: It's not the people, it's the government.
1: Thank you everybody for listening in on this awesome episode with Drago and his wife, Rachel. Please stay tuned. Next week, we'll be dropping part two.
2: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
3: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McKrispie Sandwich.